blast from our past network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Throwback Trivia Takedown. hosts Adam and John Spees. Welcome to Throwback Trivia Takedown, a no-holds-barred trivia match between two contenders fighting for nostalgic glory. I'm your host, John Spees. I'm your co-host, Adam Spees. And frankly, I am your host, Will Dennison, <laughs> because on this episode, I'm in charge. Tell them what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, as a fun little end-of-the-year episode... Uh, our friend and patron, Mr. Will Dennison Esquire, has written a show for us, and he is going to host Adam versus John. This is going to be one for the ages, and by the ages, I mean just the end of the year. It's a long age. John and I have gone against each other once. Uh, we did a Beef Up Network tournament. I came out on top that time, um, but uh, who knows? how it's going to go. Really excited about this one. But um, you guys know me, you know, John, and you got, you've, you've heard Will before on the show, but Will, just tell everybody, you know, a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. So I am, uh, I'm an attorney, uh, married father of five. I live uh, about 60 miles northwest of Chicago. Uh, I am a Catholic defense attorney ninja. So in other words, I am daredevil, <laughs> uh, except that I can see. Uh, and other than that, I'm just a fun guy. So yeah, you're better. You're better than Matt Murdock. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have the superpowers, but I can see. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's learn how to play the game. Entering the ring are two contestants who will engage in three rounds of head-to-head trivia. Here are the rules. Round one consists of ten questions in different pop culture categories focused on a decade that will be randomized. If you answer incorrectly, your opponent has the chance to steal. And the categories are movies, music, television, toys and games, sports, fashion, slang, news and politics, literature, and food. Round two consists of the same 10 categories, but this time your opponent gets to pick your category. Each correct answer gives you 10 points. In the final round, you may bid up to as many points as you've earned before answering the final two questions. The categories for the final questions will be picked by the contestants but the decade will again be randomized from those remaining. You must get both answers correct to earn your wager. Now it's time for a takedown. All right, and from here on out, Will, this is your game. All right, so I know your listeners know a lot about you, but they don't know everything about you. And so we want to get to know you just a little bit better. So gentlemen, I want to know, what is your favorite Beatles studio album? Oh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a Beatles guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, The reason I asked this question, by the way, is because all three of us are friends on Facebook. Yes. And so if you were following my page, you'll note that I recently did a yeah. ranking of all Beatles studio albums. So you do know the correct answer if you did your homework. Stop. Do not go through Facebook, John. What I'm, do you do? I'm not going to go through Facebook. I'm going to go with my heart. And this is a tough call because there are a lot of really good ones. But from top to bottom, I'm going to have to go with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Okay. And I'm going to go Let It Be. Okay. Those are both fantastic albums. Great answers. But there is a correct answer. <laughs> 
The correct answer, no surprise, goes to the music man. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club (laughs) Band is far superior to Let It Be. The correct answer I learned recently is, in fact, Abbey Road. For my entire life, I've Mm. said Sgt. Pepper's is my favorite album. And when I did my re-ranking, I actually put the White Album and Abbey Road ahead of Sgt. Pepper's. Uh, Between your two answers, John, you get to go first. Excellent. Um, I need my list of categories because I seem to have (laughs) forgotten my own categories. Um, I'm going to start us off with movies. Movies. And we get the 90s. This is a tri-bond question, John. Oh, God. 90s tri-bond. One of the best character actors in Hollywood. What actor appeared in Reservoir Dogs in 1992, Pulp Fiction in 1994, and The Big Lebowski in 1998? I'm going to have to go with Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi is correct. All right. There was hope for me on that one just because I know John's not a big Lebowski fan. So I was hoping like, okay, maybe he doesn't know that one, but got it. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. All right, Adam, you're up. Um, let's see. Movies is where I would have gone first. I don't think you're able to do that in this game. <laughs> I, that is correct. Thank you for explaining the rules to me. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> for to take it away from John and because I like it, I'm going to go with music. Yeah. Music. We are going back to the 90s. Okay. So this is a 90s music question, which, of course, has nothing to do with the Beatles. No, thank God. (laughs) 90s. The Beatles have six different albums certified diamond, which means 10 million copies sold. But they're sadly only in second place to an artist who has nine. Yes, nine diamond albums. And seven of those nine were released in the 90s. Name that absolute megastar. Ooh, nine albums as Diamond, seven. This is a great question, Will. Yeah. You're you're solid writer. Seven in the 90s. All right. Who sold huge in the 90s? Uh, I mean, MJ, but seven of his albums were not in the 90s. Madonna was big, but I don't think she has more. Mariah Carey has sold a shit ton, but... Sorry, this is a far friendly part. Mar- Mariah okay. Carey has sold... <laughs> that's a scientific term. I mean, you're allowed yes. to use it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, this is... This is not, it's not a Beatles question. No. Uh, um, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks? Is correct. Nice. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Great right. answer. Garth had, and his eighth uh, was actually released just a few months prior to the start of the 90s. So he was close to having eight Diamond albums all wow. released that decade. He absolutely dominated that decade. And people forget about it yeah. because he's country. Yeah. I, I was not there. I was not there, not there, not there. And then finally, like, wait, what if I go out of pop? Garth. <laughs> so here's what you Good need to know about me. Uh, when you... Talk to people about your five favorite artists. One, Obviously, number one is the Beatles. Absolutely no question. I also love Michael Jackson, and I love Garth Brooks. So those are my top three, and they are so eclectic. They have almost nothing in common except that they're great. <laughs> yeah. Nice. John, back to you. All right. Well, 
you'd think I'd play this game enough where I'd I'd want to go outside the box, but no, I'm going to go for TV. <laughs> TV. And for the first time of many, I've rolled the dice under the table. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I use a, a dice tower. <laughs> so yeah, I don't one lose. of the uh, the the many. Um, you know, problems, you know, that people that we deal with, that people don't understand the difficulties of hosting a game show uh, is things like this. John, I'm sorry to tell you, you have 50s TV. All right. Okay. Yeah. He'd be better at that than me, so. A legitimate challenger for the best Western of all time, Gunsmoke ran for 20 seasons from 1955 to 1975. Unlike other Westerns that followed a caravan from town to town, Gunsmoke's entire run took place in one location. Name the Kansas town where Gunsmoke took place. Oh, okay. This is a tough one because Gunsmoke was one of the few older Western. Well, not the few, but I did not watch Gunsmoke. I've seen Bonanza. I've seen The Rifleman. I've seen other things, but Gunsmoke was not one of them. I'm just going to throw a very big shot in the dark and say Liberty City. Liberty City is incorrect. Okay. Adam, can you steal? I know this is a city in one of the westerns. I hope it was Gunsmoke. I'm going to go with Dodge City. Dodge City is correct. Nice. All right. Did either of you catch the clues in the question? It sounds like you didn't. <laughs> no. Uh, I just I just happened to kind of know that one. <laughs> a legitimate challenger. Oh, Dodge. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> other shows that followed a Caravan. Dodge Caravan. Nice. Look at you. <laughs> That's awesome. You're way smarter than us, Will. Yeah. This is not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam, with that steal, you took a lead, and now you get to go for your own category. I am. And I'm going to do another one that I think will hopefully hurt John. Um, try and get some tactics in here. I'm going to take food away. Food. And we have the 70s. Okay. In 1971... In response to a nationwide meat shortage, Hamburger Helper was released, allowing people to make a meal for their entire family with just one prepackaged box and one pound of hamburger. To make the brand more appealing to families, a mascot was created, which was a white four-fingered glove with a face. What was the mascot's name? That's the entire time I was hoping, don't don't ask the name, don't ask the name, don't ask the name. I don't know that little, that little Muppety glove thing. Um, oh, wow. Can you read the question again? I absolutely can. In response to a nationwide meat shortage, Hamburger Helper was released, allowing people to make a meal for an entire family with just one prepackaged box and one pound of hamburger. To make the brand more appealing to families, a mascot was created, which was a four-fingered white glove with a face. What was the mascot's name? Not sure you needed it. I I didn't need that. I I was honestly having you reread it just in case you dropped in one of your hints that you've so let us know (laughs) that you have put in there. This time you didn't. Not not that I noticed. Um, I was just, it seems fairly straightforward. And if you have a hint in there, man, I I don't know it. Uh, Let's go with Handy. That's what I would have guessed. Handy is a fantastic guess, but is incorrect. Okay. John, can you steal? All right. So handy is what I would have gone with. I always go for a handy. (laughs) Uh, Keep it clean. Um, All right. Well, if that was a fantastic guess, then that means that was close. 
So is it close in letters or is it close just in idea? Or am I just overly generous with my compliments? Hey, hey that was a good <laughs> guess. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, Handy the Helper for Hamburger Helper totally makes right. sense. What are other names that kind of sound like... You know what? I could sit here all day and I probably won't come up with anything. I don't want to waste everyone's time. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Harold. Harold is also incorrect. Okay. Okay. Which hand is he? Well, lefty or righty, and lefty <laughs> seems like a better name. His name is Lefty. Okay. Okay. And we are back to John. John, what is your category? Uh, toys and games. Yeah. Toys and games. And we are stuck in the 90s. I love it. Oh, yeah. 90s toys and games, John. What board game, first produced in 1998, was billed as the game for your whole brain, with yellow cards based on word games, blue cards based on art, green cards based on acting, and red cards based on trivia. What year was this? This was 1998, which was in the 90s. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like Trivial Pursuit, but I swear Trivial Pursuit was way before that. Um, all right, reread the question one, one more time, please. What board game, first produced in 1998, was billed as the game for your whole brain, with yellow cards based on word games, blue cards based on art, green cards based on acting, and red cards based on <clears throat> trivia. Okay. Um, I, can, I think I see the packaging. I can see the box. I'm trying to think of what the name is on that box. Um, I think this whole first round is going to go to Adam. Um, oh man, what is the name of that game? Um, I know, I know you know, <laughs> jerk. Uh, <laughs> oh man, um, cranium, ah! cranium, as you can tell from Adam's reaction, is absolutely correct. All right, game for your whole brain. My kids love this game. How did uh, you pull that at the last second? Jimmy? I don't. I, I don't know. I must have used my uh, my yeah. brain. Your cranium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you were first, when you first heard the question, you were thinking about trivia questions based on art, trivia questions based on right. acting. That's not what it is. It's literally you need to know music. You need to be able to sing or make sounds that are notes. You need to be able to act. The kids love it. Cool. It's a great family game. It is. Yep. I have it. And I was hoping. Oh, well. Oh, well. Adam, we are back to you. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with sports. Sports. Thank you, Adam. And we get the 70s. <laughs> I remember correctly. I enjoyed these sports questions. Yes. 1973 marked the first time in 25 years that any horse won the triple crown of thoroughbred racing. When Secretariat won what final leg of the triple crown, nicknamed the run for the carnations. Yeah, there's one. Got a one in four shot. Yeah. Wait, a one in three. I thought it was three that gets the uh, triple. Oh, I was trying to trip you up. You're right. (laughs) Triple. It's not a quadruple crown. Uh, So, yes, there is the um, Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, and the other one. (laughs) Preakness. Preakness. 
Um, but I'm I'm fairly certain it goes Kentucky Derby, then the Preakness, then the Belmont Stakes, and the Belmont Belmont Stakes being the longest. I shouldn't have said all three because freak John could. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to name other one other than Kentucky Derby. So thank you. Which is one some one hundred percent not it. And now I said all those, and I shouldn't have because in case I'm wrong. Uh, then that screws me over. But I believe the Belmont Stakes is the last leg. The Belmont Stakes is correct. Yeah, whew, okay. Yeah, I really could have screwed myself <laughs> by mentioning the Preakness. Be- Belmont Stakes, uh, somewhat famously to non-horse racing fans, is the one that nobody knows about because they only ever care about it if the same horse won the first two. Every yeah. year, the Kentucky Derby is huge news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Preakness is news because everyone wants to know if the, if the Kentucky Derby winner wins the Preakness. And if they don't, nobody pays attention. Non-horse racing people don't mm-hmm. pay attention to the Belmont. Yep. <laughs> Whew, okay. That's a good get. Thank you. John, we are back to you. And unfortunately, my friend, you cannot take sports. I apologize. <laughs> That's quite all right. Uh, I'm going to go with literature. Literature. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Literature. Yeah, you did it. I hate you all. <laughs> 60s literature. Oh, boy. I want to note for the record, we are recording this on Saturday, November 20th of 2020, approximately 27 minutes after I watched yesterday's episode of Jeopardy. What two authors, each of whom wrote one of the most defining works of the 1960s, were childhood friends in Monroeville, Alabama in the 1920s? The man's book, was the first work of true crime and included the woman as a character, while the woman's was a novel that dealt with race relations in the South and included a character named Dill, likely based on the man. Well, uh, the um, the ladies one is very easy because I was actually in the play when I was younger. Uh, I played Jem uh, when I was a kid. So that is going to be Harper Lee, and I believe... The next one is going to be uh, Capote. Harper Lee and Truman Capote is correct. All right. And so I was very upset when I saw not the identical question, but a similar question is the final question <laughs> on Jeopardy uh, yesterday. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not yet. No, uh, it is what not. it is. I wrote this before they uh, <laughs> released that show. I promise you. Round eight. We are back to Adam. Okay, uh, we have news and politics, fashion, and slang left. I don't like any of those, but, <laughs> oh, but they're good questions. I promise you. <laughs> I, I, well, if anything, yes, yeah, telling from your previous questions, absolutely. I will go with slang. Slang, oh baby, come on! <laughs> you have a decade. You hope you roll. I can tell. Two thousand slang. Okay. Whew. All right. Let's check. Ah. Oh well. <laughs> 2000 slang. What four-letter word was used in the early 2000s to differentiate inexperienced internet users from those who were already familiar with the ways of the web? The word could be typed using two digits to replace two of the letters and often was probably in an effort even further to confuse those to whom the term applied. Hold on. I thought I, thought I had this until your second part. I, I, I'll re- need the question again. What four-letter word was used in the early 2000s to differentiate inexperienced internet users from those who were already familiar with the ways of the web? The word could be typed using two digits to replace two of the letters, and often was, 
probably in an effort even further to confuse those to whom the term applied. Okay. Two digits to replace two letters. I'm going to, I mean, it just seems like it fits. So, because maybe, maybe the zeros become the O's. I'm going to go with noob, N-O-O-B. N-O-O-B, noob is correct. Short for newbie. And the kids are still using that today. When I asked my kids this question, they're like, early 2000s, dad, you're a noob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I associate it with gamer culture, but, uh, cool. Totally well, when it sense. when it was first coined, it was referring to the internet and yep. people who just got on the internet because they they hooked up their uh, yeah <laughs> AOL. Uh, they were the noobs. Cool, John. We are back to you for your last choice of this round. All right. Well, I'm going to stick Adam with fashion, so I'll take news and politics. All right, news and politics. I should probably roll the dice, and we get the '70s. All right. In the Iranian Revolution, also known as the Islamic Revolution, that took place over 13 months from January of 1978 to February of 1979, the Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, was ousted from power. What leader was installed under the new government? What's his name? Uh, What's his name? What's his name? Um, Ayatollah. I don't know what his name is. I'm just going to say the Ayatollah. I'm going to need you to be more specific. I knew it. Bless it. Chris Jericho is the Ayatollah of rock and roller. Maybe it's that one, John. You should try that. <laughs> well, the reason Chris Jericho is the Ayatollah of rock and roller is because the Ayatollah is a title. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I'm just, I'm thinking of that, uh, of uh, Billy Joel's song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah. Ayatollahs in Iran. <sighs> I'm sure I knew his name at one point. I'm sure you know it right now. I probably do. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say Muhammad. Uh, Ayatollah Muhammad is incorrect. Mm. Adam, can you steal? No, but I'll ask to reread the question. Sure. In the Iranian revolution, also known as the Islamic revolution, that took place over 13 months from January of 1978 to February of 1979, the Shah, Muhammad Reza Pahlavi, was ousted from power. What leader was installed under the new government? I got absolutely nothing, so I'm not even going to try. Okay. The answer, you're both going to kick yourselves, I think, is the Ayatollah Khomeini. Ayatollah Rohola Khomeini. Okay. Yeah, it rings a bell. Okay. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I wasn't going to get there. Wasn't going to get there. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to get there either. All right. So. Well, then I get 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam, you have the last choice in the round. You can choose fashion. <laughs> I will choose movies. <laughs> and your category is the 90s in movies fashion. Movie doesn't fa- have anything to do with movies. <laughs> 90s fashion. What article of clothing was not permitted to be worn by women on the floor of the U.S. Senate until 1993? <laughs> when Senators Carol Mosley Braun of Illinois and Barbara Mikulski of Maryland wore them in defiance of the rule to protest it. I actually helps. I uh, did a question about this one uh, way, way, way back, I think. And I believe that, that is does help. pants. Pantsuits or pants is correct. Yeah. Excellent job. Isn't that remarkable? Women yeah. were not allowed to, allowed to wear pants on the floor of the Senate until the 90s. 90s. Ridiculous. 90s. Ridiculous. 
All right. And with that correct answer, Adam took a bit of a lead. We are at 50 to 30 heading into round two. I am narrowly behind with only 20. (laughs) True. Uh, And I believe to start things off, I get to pick for John. And he was avoiding fashion. And you know what? It is the most often final and first between uh, round one and two. And I'm going to keep it that way. So, John, you're getting fashion. All right. All right. Fashion. And we get the 2000s fashion. So you're saying I have a chance. I think you got a great chance. The halftime show at Super Bowl 38 in 2004 featured Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. At the close of their performance, Jackson's breast, covered by a nipple shield, was exposed by Timberlake to the approximately 90 million people watching for about half a second. What two-word phrase was coined by Timberlake and Jackson to describe the event? Oh, wardrobe malfunction. Wardrobe malfunction is correct. All right. I thought you were going to say she she had something like either... Either like a ring or something on her nipple. I thought you were going to ask, oh, what, what, did you, what was on her nipple? And I, was I like, actually wow. had that in the question originally, but it's a little bit it, too long, so I cut it, that out. It's a sun, isn't it? Oh, something oh, the shape. No, no, the I, shape. What, they, oh, what they described, or they, they used a phrase for it, and I, I yeah, had that gotcha. in the question, Maybe it was a but pasty. I took it out. But good job, John. All right, Adam, I'm sorry to say you cannot choose, or uh, John, you cannot yeah. choose fashion for Adam, but what would you like to give your little brother? Um... You know what? I, just to get it out of my way, I'm going to give him sports. Sports. Thank you. And your decade is the 60s. Good. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'm just going to score this right now. <laughs> what two rival teams dominated the National Hockey League in the 1960s? One winning five Stanley Cups during the decade and the other winning four. One of them has won a league-high 24 championships in total. The other hasn't won one since 67. Um, so I, I need both? Yes. Okay. Well, the league-high is the Canadians. Now, the 70s, though, were, were have, you said hasn't won since the 60s. Since 1967. I'm going to go with the Maple Leafs, then. The Canadians and the Maple Leafs is correct. Nice. So I thought that question would be easier for you than apparently it was. The question said what rival teams. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. the Maple Leafs and the Canadians are, are true rivals yeah. in the National Hockey League. And anybody who knows that the Canadians have the most championships would Can would guess the there. Canadians to pair with them. Oddly They're, enough, yeah. I could have guessed that question, and it's only because I've watched How I Met Your Mother so many times. And There you go. And one of the characters talks about hockey a lot. Yes, she yeah. does. And that scrappy team from, uh, I can't remember the year, of the Canucks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Adam, you get to choose for John. I am extremely excited (laughs) to give him news and politics. I do not want them. News and politics. Oh. And John, your category is the 80s. Okay. I was alive then. On May 13th of 1981, an assassination attempt was made by Mehmet Ali Aga, a member of the Turkish neo-fascist organization, the Grey Wolves, when he shot what leader of approximately 50 million people? Amazingly, Aga became a member of his former victim's organization 
25 years after the attempt and two years after the answer's natural death. I'm definitely going to need a repeat on that. No problem. On May 13th, 1981, an assassination attempt was made by Mehmet Ali Aga, a member of the Turkish neo-fascist organization, the Grey Wolves, when he shot what leader of approximately 50 million people. Amazingly, Aga became a member of his former victim's organization 25 years after the attempt and two years after the answer's natural death. Just to be clear, that name is A-G-C-A. Okay. So I'm not looking for a politician. I'm looking for an organizational leader. <sighs> Natural death. This is going to be a really tough one. Um, 81. Who was important in 81? Who wasn't? Me, apparently. Um, but I was only one years old, so... <laughs> Oh, this is a this is a tough question. Of course, I'm just biding time to think of an answer. <laughs> it's well, yeah, it's too early for that. Man, I don't think I'm gonna get there. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna throw out a wrong answer and just say Netanyahu. Benny Netanyahu is incorrect. Okay. Adam, can you steal? Nope. Um, <laughs> man, yeah. <clears throat> the natural death thing is... That's what threw me like off was the natural death. Yeah, when you were starting to go with assassination attempt, okay, I first wrote down, like, okay, maybe Indira Gandhi, who was assassinated later in the 80s than 81, but I'm sure she had some attempts before. Natural death? But And that also throws out, like, you know, maybe... Osama bin Laden was around, but he didn't die naturally. Uh, or Saddam Hussein, and he didn't die naturally. Uh, and so who are these? Who is uh, someone who, man, um, became a member of his organization? Oh, Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mehmet Ali Aga did not become a Republican. Reagan is incorrect. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of information and see if you can get there. Number one, the answer visited his attempted assassin in jail many, many times over year over the years and forgave him. Was it Gandhi? It is not Gandhi. Was it, it Mandela? Can, it is not Mandela. What do you know about your host? What am I? Oh, was it I'm the Pope? I'm a Catholic defense attorney ninja oh the pope this is john paul ii or john paul, paul the great pope saint john paul the yeah, great okay is the answer so he became a catholic he became a catholic that's that's basically the same as republican <laughs> i should get some points uh no <laughs> all right all right we did not get a steal there so i am up to 30 but i still trail <laughs> adam you could choose for john no, 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 John, you get to choose for Adam. Yeah. It's confusing when you get to a steal. It, 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 it is. It does, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give Adam slang. Okay. Slang. Oh, come on, baby. Please, please, please. <laughs> we have the 90s. Okay. Adam, 
Consume a small globular mass of medicinal substances composed of a sensation of cold combined with convulsive shaking would be the proper scientific way to express what four-word rhyming slang phrase from the 1990s, meaning the hearer should relax. Would you like me to read that again? Yes. Consume a small globular mass of medicinal substances composed of a sensation of cold combined with convulsive shaking would be the proper scientific way to express what four-word rhyming slang phrase from the 1990s, meaning the hearer should relax. Oh, you really got me kind of through a loop on with your first part. Well, I mean, the first part's like the whole part. I know. Consume a globular mass. Can you go through that first, just that first yes. half again? Consume a small globular mass of medicinal substances composed of a sensation of cold combined with convulsive shaking. It rhymes with cold. It kind of fits medicinal. It kind of fits. I thought it was earlier than this, but I'll say take a chill pill. Take a chill pill is correct. Okay. 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 Whew. That's where I was leaning to. Adam. Yeah. I actually wrote uh, several of those proper scientific ways questions, <laughs> and I was really hoping we'd get two of them. Nice. We got one. That's All right, good. and we are back to John. Adam, you get to choose for John. He is getting literature. Literature, which is the proper way to pronounce it on this show. <laughs> and we have the 70s. Mm-hmm. John. What 1974 Robert M. Persig book, which is part novel, part autobiography, part history of philosophy, and part commentary on the relevance of Buddhism in modern America, tells the story of a father and son's cross-country road trip on a 305cc Honda Superhawk? I think we just, I think I literally just asked this question. (laughs) Uh, Oh, God. I forgot the first part of the name. Oh, crap. Adam's going to get this because I forgot. The, uh, I think it's Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is correct. Yeah. That is my favorite book. I actually have the symbol for that book tattooed on my left leg. Oh, I wow. love that wow. book. I need to give it a read. Yeah, It is phenomenal. We have a tight, tight game going. And John, you get to choose for your little brother. Well... Little brother is going to get toys and games. Toys and games. I have to pull my sheet out before I roll because I don't know which ones I have to eliminate and make an adjustment on the fly. (laughs) 60s toys and games. Adam, what toy that was absolutely not a doll was originally released in 1964 in four distinct versions? One for each branch. (laughs) G.I. Joe. Now I I, I asked a question just like this. (laughs) Almost exactly like this on an episode I don't think has come out yet. G.I. Joe is incorrect. I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I didn't even need you to finish. You didn't even let me get to now you know. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Because I can't remember the four different types. It's like Sailor... Combat, uh, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, I ruined your yeah. Air, Air Force, Army, Air, Marines, yeah, and yeah. Navy are the four. Adam, yeah, that's horrible because you know you hate it when people do that to us. Fair, fair. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Good radio. 
And we are back to John. Adam, you get to choose a category for John. Um, you know, neither of us got the food question last time, so I'll, I'll give him food. Food. And we get the 60s. Mm. John, Tom Monahan, the founder of what pizza chain in 1960, originally had three dots on his company's logo, one for each location. He had planned to add a dot for each new location, but thankfully he abandoned that idea early on as the chain now has more than 17,000 stores worldwide. I'm going to say Domino's. Domino's is correct. Yep. Which actually now I need to change my 60s food question that I'll be recording on Sunday because <laughs> it's pretty similar to that. Yeah, it happens, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, it does. It does. All right. We are definitely got us a tight game. This is very, very tight. I don't think I'm going to win. I, I think I've been locked out at this point. <laughs> All right. John, you yes. get juice for Adam. All right. Well, I think we just have the big three left. We do. And we've got some great questions here. Let me tell you. All right. Um... Uh, I'm going to give Adam TV. TV. And Adam, your question is in the 70s. Okay. Most know that Alan Alda, or Alan Alda, starred as Hawkeye Pierce in the 1970s television show MASH, a spinoff from slash adaptation of the 1970 movie of the same name. What actor whose son would go on to have nine of the craziest, most action-filled days in television history in the 2000s, portrayed Hawkeye in the original film. First and last name required. Fair enough. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland is correct. And obviously with that clue, I had to require both names. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Cool. I'm just, I'm just excited. He's the only person from like the MASH movie I can name. <laughs> Same, actually. I was kind of disappointed yeah. you had that one because I was like, I'm pretty sure I know this. I, yeah. I liked that question because uh, because it, it referenced the movie and the TV show based on it, and then it goes to later TV as well. I thought it was exactly. interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Adam, you get to choose for John, which also leaves you with a category. We have music and movies left. So you need to decide what you want to give to John and mm-hmm. maybe more importantly, what you want to keep for yourself. Yeah, uh, both of us. These are our two strongest categories. If I had to pick our two strongest, probably for both of us, it would be these two. And you took out the 90s both of times in round one. I didn't get an answer in movies in the first one because I want and I want it this time. So let's give John music. To be fair, I didn't take it out. I just rolled the dice. <laughs> True. <laughs> Fine. So you're giving John movies? Music. Music. I'm giving him music so I can have movies. Got it. John, you get music. You get music, uh, also known as Beatles. <laughs> yeah. oh, the 2000s. Oh, Obviously not a Beatles question, the 2000s. <laughs> Insert Beatles question. <laughs> the Beatles yeah. have more Billboard Hot 100 number one singles than any other musical act in history. One more than Mariah Carey. On November 13th, 2020, the Beatles released a compilation album of all of their number one hits called One. The album included seven songs, which went to number one in the UK, UK, but not in the US. So how many tracks are on one? And before you tell me this isn't a 2000s question, consider one sold more copies than any other album in the decade. 11 and a half million to be exact. 
I think your date is wrong because you said 2020. Yeah. Um, I said that when I test read it too, and I said, no, it's 2000s. Yeah. Okay. You're right. It's 2000. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I'm going to need you to reread the whole question. I sincerely apologize. I've corrected. I caught that mistake before, and then I didn't change it in the transcript. The Beatles have more Billboard Hot 100 number one singles than any other musical act in history. One more than Mariah Carey. On November 13th of 2000, the Beatles released a comp- 2002. The Beatles released a compilation album of all of their number one hits called One. The album included seven songs, which went to number one in the UK, but not the US. How many tracks are on One? So to be clear, yeah. Billboard Hot 100 refers to a number one song in the U.S. Right. This album included all of those plus seven that went to number one in the U.K., but not the U.S. I have this album, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with 21. 21 is incorrect. All right. Adam, you have a chance to steal, which is very important considering the scores that you guys have. Yeah, this late in the game, that'd be great. Um, I also have this album, and if I had to say this is my favorite Beatles album, even though I know it's a compilation. Yeah, I asked studio album there, genius. I know you did. Um, I don't know why, but I have, I have the number 24 in my head, so I'm going to go with 24. 24? Is incorrect. Gentlemen, you underestimate the absolute selling power of the Beatles. Uh, Number three all time in Billboard Top 100s is a man (laughs) named Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley has 17. He was passed by the Beatles. Currently, Mariah Carey is in number two with 19. Number one all time is the Beatles with 20 Billboard Top 100 hits. Plus the seven from the UK makes a 27 song absolute masterpiece. The answer is 27. All right. I mean, there were only like three different artists back in the day. So you you had to pick the Beatles. Sure. (laughs) And John, you now get to choose for Adam. Well, yes. You can give him movies. Uh, I will give him. You know what? I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to give him movies. That is an interesting selection, and I can't even tell you how badly I want this die to come up six. So badly (laughs) that I thought about cheating, (laughs) but I'm just going to roll. It's a four. Okay. (laughs) 80s Tribond. Known early in his career for sketch comedy work on television, what actor later appeared on the big screen in Tootsie in 1982, Little Shop of Horrors in 1986, and Ghostbusters 2 in 1989? Ooh. Okay. Well, there's multiple people in Little Shop of Horrors and Ghostbusters 2 together. Tootsie is my problem. I don't know Tootsie other than... Dustin Hoffman, which I feel confident enough to say, um, you know, not him not being in the others, but is it, do I go with this one or do I go with the other one? Both doing sketch comedy. 
uh, earlier in their careers. Almost both, like I planned that. What do you yeah, think? <laughs> and I don't want to say any names. Um, uh, who was in... Who would have been in Tootsie? All right. I'm going to go with Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis is incorrect. <sighs> um, How does it feel when you get that toss-up? <laughs> Wozniak jobs crap. John, can you? It was steal? his garage. I'm sorry. It was his garage. All right, deal with it. Um, I'm gonna go with Steve Martin. Steve Martin is also incorrect. Is that was that the one you were considering, Adam? Bill Murray was Bill the other one because he was the dentist, and so that's who I was considering. Bill Murray is the correct answer. Okay, ah, I didn't remember okay. Bill Murray from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, he played this evil dentist guy. He's uh, hilarious. No, no, no. Steve Martin played the dentist in, in Little Shop oh. of Horrors. Yeah, well, he, Steve he Martin was the dentist. Bill Murray, You're right. Yeah, Bill Murray is also in, in a bit role. Very had, small. Oh, okay. He had like a he, he had a motorcycle. No, or yep. maybe that is Steve Martin. That's but Steve I knew Martin. Bill Murray was in there. Okay. Yeah. But I just did, I couldn't I could not remember ever hearing that Bill Murray was in Tootsie. So I was like, there's a better chance of Rick Moranis having a small role because in Tootsie you would have heard if Bill, if you, yeah that yeah. makes sense. I like that logic. But hey, good. That's a good grab and good good trivia to know that he was in Tootsie. Yeah. So. Especially for tri-bombs, because that comes up. Yeah. All right. Well, at the end of round two, we have um, a, a good, strong game. We have Adam with 90 points and John with 60 points. Gentlemen, you can wager any or all of the points that you have scored thus far in our showdown. Uh, each of you are going to get to pick a category. Decade will be randomized. John, since you are trailing... No, Adam, since you are ahead, I will have yeah. you pick your category first. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at my board. I'm going to I'm going to do some strategy here. Cause I know John and I are both good at movies and music, but you did we've done more recent stuff, and so it'd be stuck to likely having the older things at those. We both have been terrible at news and politics. And you've had some tough questions. I am going to go with the hope that we both can't get this right. And I'm going to go. Oh, wait, we have to do. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, news and politics. All right. Adam is choosing news and politics. And John, what is your choice for category? Uh, I'm going to do literature. Literature, I believe, is what you meant to say. Yes. It's his favorite. All right. News and politics is going to be 90s. Literature is going to be 50s. We have 90s literature, and, excuse me, 90s news and politics and 50s literature. Gentlemen, mark your wagers based on those decades and categories. I'm good to go. I am as well. All right. I think I might, might know the wagers. We will start with news and politics 90s style. Dubbed the trial of the century, O.J. Simpson was accused of the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. What Los Angeles County judge presided over the trial? He was the only major figure involved who didn't write a book about the experience. He bears no relation to a French knight of the round table. All right, and 50s literature. 
What author wanted to donate his 1954 Nobel Prize for fiction to the people of Cuba, where he had lived from 1942 to 45, to avoid giving it to the Batista government of the time, he donated the medal to the Catholic Church for display at a, at a small basilica outside Santiago de Cuba. I think my uh, strategy might have backfired on me, uh, potentially. I am good to go. Yeah, I'm good to go as well, and I'm not liking that I got these answers. All right. <laughs> or I, I think I got these answers. Well, we will start with 90s news and politics. John, who presided over the O.J. Simpson trial? Uh, that would be Judge Ito. Ito. Adam? I also put Judge Ito. I think it was I-T-O. Is that how he spelled it? Yep. Well, yep. they both said Ito. Literature. 50s. Who won the 1954 Nobel Prize for fiction, John? The only author I know of that uh, did spend a good number of uh, years in Cuba is Hemingway, so I put Hemingway. He said Hemingway and Adam, who won the 1954 Nobel Prize. Uh, I also have a tie in my head with Hemingway and living in Cuba, and he'd be the kind of guy who didn't give a crap about a Nobel Prize and would have wanted to give it away, so I also wrote Hemingway. So they both said Ito. They both said Hemingway. They're both right on both counts. Judge Lance Ito, no relation to Lancelot, mm -hmm. uh, mm. did preside over the O.J. Simpson trial. And Ernest Hemingway did, in fact, reside in Cuba for three years uh, and later wrote The Old Man in the Sea, for which he won the 1954 Nobel Prize. The main character in that book is named Santiago. He mm -hmm. donated the medal to be displayed at the Basilica outside Santiago de Cuba. Nice. nice. They both win. Uh, they both get their wagers. So this is interesting. No, let's just stop right there. We both win. We both win. <laughs> Adam, what did you wager? Well, I had my strategy of uh, hoping that, you know, your news and politics question would continue to be as difficult as they were in rounds one and two. So I wagered zero. Adam, you wagered zero, which means that your final score is 90 plus zero. Carry the 190. Yes. John, if you wagered 31 or more, you are the greatest of all speeds. John, <laughs> what is your wager? Well, there's a lot of strategy involved in, uh, in wagering. Uh, but in the end, I took the... Cheyenne Fletcher theory of betting, which is it's just a fake game. I bet it all 60. Whoa. And with a final score of 120 to 90, gentlemen, we have established that John Spees is better at wagering. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it feels good. It feels good, Cotton. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. It feels yeah. good. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to say, uh, gentlemen, uh, at the end of every episode, you give your guests a chance to shout something out, uh, which is always appreciated. You very rarely get to do the same. So if there's anything you want to tell your audience, now would be the time. John, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say this. So Adam and I are, are dealing with some uh, personal family things in our lives right now. And I just want you... Um, as a listener, to find your local uh, cancer nonprofit, doesn't matter what it is, 
and give something. It doesn't even have to be money. It could be a, a materials, equipment, time, whatever it is. Because you know what? It's going to be appreciated. Very well said. Very well yeah. said. Adam, do you want to follow up on that at all? Um, just to tie in, I guess, just to tie in with John and to put it on the record, even though there is no reason that he already knows and whatnot. Um, I love you, Dad. Simple as that. There you go. And what I have to say um, now pales in comparison uh, to those messages. <laughs> but I do want to say, uh, John, Adam, you guys are absolutely fantastic. I love you both. I love the contact content you put out. And I strongly encourage everyone listening. You're this far into a podcast. You've laughed. You've enjoyed it. You've had a good time. Sign up for Patreon. Uh, help out Throwback Trivia Takedown. Help out the BFOP Network. Um, these guys spend their own money for their equipment, their own time to bring you entertainment. Help them defray that cost a little bit. I promise you it's not going into their pockets. It's going into this podcast, and they could use it. Thank you so much, Will. You are a phenomenal guest host. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, that's Adam, and I'm John, and this was another episode of Throwback Trivia Takedown. All right. We'll see you guys. Thank you for listening to Throwback Trivia Takedown. If you want to support the podcast, or if you'd like to be a contestant, go to patreon.com forward slash throwback trivia takedown and pick a tier that's right for you. If you want to submit questions, you can email them to throwbacktriviatakedown at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time when two new contestants go head-to-head in nostalgic knowledge on Throwback Trivia Takedown. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.